Now, praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adiwumi, and I'm going through the book of Matthew. In this series that we are teaching, I pray that the Lord will give you insight and take your Bible and read along so that we, you can get some input. I just read chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and then pause at some points and uh, give some comment. I'm going to the chapter 16 is where we are today. And I'll read and then we'll start. But I'll give us utterance today and give us uh, some good, in, good insight in some of the things that you are teaching us in the Gospel of Matthew. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, Matthew chapter 16. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. And now Christ said, O oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Now, this, that's a good question that the Lord was pointing to them, that it should be able to discern the signs of the times. Now, what will be the signs of the times? When we look back at the, what, the history of uh, what was going on then, they, for, for, for hundreds of years, they have not had any major prophet, some small, small prophets that just prophesied and wrote some three chapters. But here came John the Baptist. That was a sign to them. They didn't realize that. But that's John the Baptist doing something they have never seen before, baptizing people in water. And they were, people started flowing into him like a revival is coming also. And then John the Baptist pointed that this is the man that we are saying is going to be the Lamb of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ came and started doing signs and wonders that nobody has ever done before. Christ is pointing that that's a sign of the time. So that, and they are saying, we still want some other sign. They wanted some other sign from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ asked what Christ was referring to. Can't you discern the signs of the time? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. God, the Lord Jesus Christ called them wicked and adulterous generation. Adulterous means they are worshipping something other than they are God. The God that should be our our bridegroom. And there shall no sign be given unto it and unto that generation. But the sign of the prophet Jonas, now he didn't explain it in Apocalypse Matthew, but in the other place where, where it was Mark reported the same sign, he told them that as Jonas was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, the son of man also will be in the belly, in the heart of the half that is buried for three days. And that was the sign he said was going to give birth. In this chapter 16, which the which uh, you just said, son of Jonas, and left them and, and departed. Verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And the reason among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, 
Why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not understand? Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand. And how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand. And how many baskets ye took up? I see that ye do not understand that I speak it not unto you concerning bread, but that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now, the Lord was talking about the leaven, that is something that is polluting, is what leaven indicates, pollution. So he said the Pharisees and the Sadducees, their doctrine was going to pollute. That's why he said beware of their doctrine. And from what if we are reading according to the context of this passage, you are going to say, the Lord was actually pointing to them that this idea that we want to see a sign before we can believe you. We want you to show us another sign or a sign that we make up to believe. That is a leaven. That's kind of a, 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 an idea that he was not going to give it to them. And Christ was warning the disciples that followed him that don't, don't let that leaven corrupt you thinking that you unless you see a sign and what you are doing what you are seeing the miracles the signs and wonders they are signs in itself that is what you mean by the signs of the times so that's what you mean by don't be, don't don't let this beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the sadducees verse 12 then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread but of the doctrine of the pharisees and of the sadducees now verse 13, Apostle Peter was going to confess Christ. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And he said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. By that time, you remember John the Baptist was very killed by Herod. And Herod was thinking this must be John the Baptist that resurrected. That was why signs and wonders are happening. That's why the other people, some other Jews are still thinking, maybe John the Baptist has come back alive. Because after John was put in prison, that was when Jesus Christ really started doing major miracles. He was still doing it to be just baptized people when John was still alive. But after John was put in prison, big signs and wonders began to manifest. And when John was dead, the miracles multiplied again in the signs and wonders Christ was showing to them. So they say, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You see, they have this idea that any of those prophets that have come before, if they resurrect, they will be showing some greater signs and wonders. That was why they were thinking, this one that the Lord Christ was doing, he must be, he must be one of the prophets that resurrect. But he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonah, thy son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, That thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. 
and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now the the statement of our Lord Jesus Christ here directly directly to Simon Peter. We 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 believe that he this 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 say I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven that the Lord said here was not just to Peter as a single person. It's actually to the whole body of Christ that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, because. After Christ resurrected, that authority is given to every believer that whatever we shall bind on earth is bound, not just, not just for Peter as a person. Now, the Lord also mentioned to hear that uh, flesh and blood has not revealed it to Peter. At least it's not by just studying and uh, education, which Peter didn't know half much, but that only goes and reveals something, something to Peter. That this that he, he got is from the Lord, not, not from just woman studying, which God has revealed to you that this is the Christ, which the others are still not uh, affirmative, you see. But Peter was affirmative that this is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, the Lord was trying to say, upon this Peter, I will build my church. Now, Peter means a rock. It means a rock. That is, like Christ was changing his name from Sivas, which was a stone, to Peter, which is rock. Now, Christ is saying in this verse that upon this rock, upon the rock, people assume that he was saying that he was building upon Peter, meaning Peter is going to be the leader of the, of the church. Which, yeah, Peter became the leader of the church. However, from what revelation has been given in this generation, we, it was reported that, it was, uh, it was pointed out that he was not building upon Peter, he was building upon the rock of Revelation. That is, anyone that is going to really follow the Lord has to be inspired by the Holy Ghost. That's why Christ also said in another place in the Gospel of John that no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draws him. But the Father to draw him is like revelation revealed to you that this is the truth. This is the Messiah. That's why we don't beat our heads upon the wall just because we preach to some Muslim they couldn't believe or we please preach to some unbelievers, they refuse to accept Christ. Don't beat your head upon the wall on that. No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draws him, is what Christ said. So then, what, why are we going to beat our head upon the wall? That is what Christ is saying, that upon this foundation of revelation, because you are being called by God and you are actually chosen. Like another prophet said, another message said, I have not, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. It is God calling us and choosing us unto himself. Those who will be in his kingdom. So if you are invited and you are called to believe this gospel, it is because you are called by the Father, by the Father God. And that's why it is a revelation. So upon this type of being revealed to your heart by God, that this is the truth, this is the Messiah, follow him. That is the way he says he's going to build the church upon that, upon revelation. And it's not just people joining or people just come in because uh, their parents are in it, it, is, it has to be revealed to your heart that this is the truth. And then you follow Jesus Christ. So that is the key. That is, the, that is upon that rock of revelation is building his church. Verse 20. Then shall ye his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now, 
the law was already beginning from that time because now he, they know that he is the Messiah. But you see, what was the idea of the Messiah? That was Christ, the Son of the Living God. That Peter just confessed in earlier verses there. But now the logic started telling them what will really happen to him. Because knowing that he's Christ now, what is next? They have their mindset that the Messiah will come and establish a kingdom on earth and we begin to rule and drive out the Roman Empire. Maybe they still have that idea which the Pharisees have been thinking about, say the son of David will come and become king and this Roman Empire will be with our 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 this reign, this reign of the Roman Empire over us will end when that Messiah comes. So that is our, that has been in the back of their mind. And when the Messiah comes, they are saying, this is him. This is him. This is him. So when Christ, when, when the when Apostle Peter now say, you are the Christ, son of the living God, and they now, all of them now know, that he has to now begin to straighten them up that what is coming to happen is not what they are thinking. It's not going to be the kingdom or not yet. It is is going to suffer these things first for this, from this generation. So that was why he started saying from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now, well, that didn't sit well with, the, with Peter either. Also, because now that he knew he, he, is, he has declared that he is the, this is the Messiah, Everybody now has and he accepted, Jesus has accepted that, yeah, father, my father has showed that to you. So that means he said to, he's the Messiah. Now the idea of the Messiah, what Messiah will do now, will come up in their mind also. This is it, the kingdom that we are waiting for. But Christ now began to tell them he was going to be killed. What? <laughs> that's just not agree with their thinking also. So that's why Peter was going to respond in verse 22, and the devil quickly Take advantage of that. Look at that, verse 32. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Say, be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. It's almost like saying, stop. TikTok positive. This could never, that is really, it's correct. It's correct. That's why the Bible called rebuking Christ. But the devil, the devil is the one doing that and the Lord is kind of recognized. Look at verse 23. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Say people, he called Peter Satan. No, the Lord was saying beyond the physical man. Satan has come behind Peter and used his mouth. And that has been occurring, and that occurred in several places many times too. But many times when something like that occurred, we we, are, we as are believers, sometimes we don't recognize it was Satan that was talking. We think it was that brother that talked. We think it was that sister that talked. But Christ could see who was talking. He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So it did not just rebuke Satan, not Peter. But Satan was right behind Peter, using Peter's mouth to talk. And that is why the design of spirit, we need that gift of design of spirit. Let me give another example where the Lord Jesus Christ used the same thing. You know, Jesus Christ was in the, in the synagogue somewhere. When he went to the synagogue, the first time he said he went to the synagogue in Capernaum. And he was teaching them, was teaching them, and somebody just spoke, that it interrupted him, spoke out of, almost like out of context, also. And it was devil inside that man that spoke, leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have thou come to dis destroy us? But Jesus Christ quickly recognized who was speaking, not the man, it was the demon, the devil inside the man, that can't bear the anointing, quickly spoke out. 
Now, if we are the people that we are not designing this thing, we'll be talking about demand. Shut up your mouth. What do you, what do you mean by that? Is it that we how we will be responding to demand? Not realize it was spirit, not demand, the satanic spirit that talk. So the Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ recognized that immediately and says, Hold your face and come out of him. And the devil drew the man down and came out. That is what I'm trying to say that the design of spirit, the sign of spirit, we need it, the gift of the design of spirit. We need it so every day in the body of Christ. Otherwise, we'll be fighting one another when actually it is the devil that we should really be addressing. Command the devil to come out. Yeah, but sometimes we are respecting the man that spoke. He's a brother. We thought he is a brother. Not only that, it's the devil that spoke to the man. Or that sister spoke and just lambasted the preacher. Or just interrupted the preacher. Or just say something that is completely wrong. Or just abuse the preacher. And people begin to think it's the, the sister or the brother that said something. Not knowing that it's the devil. And we should, if you see that devil, see beyond the physical human being, and command the devil to come out, he will obey us. He will have to come out with the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. But see, many times we just forget about that and, and gather we, we were dumbfounded. I was in the fellowship, I won't make mention names, many, many years ago. And it, I was in the audience and the pastor was asking people to give, and I stood up to give some testimony of how the Lord showed some things to me and how I, and somebody that I've never talked to that just rose up in the congregation and just spoke out and said, because God showed that to you, does that mean you are bigger than anybody else? Even the person was surprised. Why did the man say that? It was, I, then, I, I, was, I was dumbfounded myself. Somebody just spoke out like that as if, as if I was proud by just giving a, 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 a testimony. I've not even completed the testimony. But the way he spoke it out loud and and uh, almost like telling me that because God showed you those miracles, those dreams, does that mean you're better than everybody else? Ah, even the pastor was surprised. Where, where does this one come from? But see, we, I didn't recognize who was speaking. And many people didn't recognize that. We thought it was the brother that spoke. No, it was not the brother. That is the point. It is the demon. It may be the brother. It may just borrow his mouth. Like this time, this Satan is not inside Peter. He just borrowed his mouth and some spirits have power to do that. Before you know it, you speak something, you don't, know, you don't even think about it, it just come out of your mouth. That was what came out of the mouth of Peter. But Jesus Christ recognized who was speaking and simply said, get thee behind me, Satan. You would have said, get thee behind me, Peter. No, it's not Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me. For thou surprised not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, that was how far Satan will go. Now, the next verse, verse 24, the Lord now is addressing the disciples to make them know that, see, this is serious. If you humble yourself, the devil will not be able to use it. If you have loud mouth, the devil will use your mouth quickly too. This is why you see what the next few verses, what the Lord meant. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, why he was talking about denying himself in the, after, after Peter said this? Because... For Peter to say that, it was thinking, I already know now, I am older than any of these disciples, and I just, conf I just, I just, I just, I just, I just confess that he is the Messiah, and he just agreed. So I may, I must be somebody also. He said, deny yourself. If you, that, that make the devil to use his mouth. Oh, you are somebody. 
Correct him, correct him, correct him. And that's how the devil just used his mouth, just broke the word out of his mouth. But Christ is saying we have to deny ourselves. Deny yourself means I'm nobody. Because Peter is just thinking, felt feeling that he's somebody also. Christ said, deny yourself means I'm nobody. See, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now he's not just talking to Peter, he's talking to everybody now. Any man, deny yourself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there will be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now this few verses Christ said, he first corrected the disciples and said, deny yourself if you are going to follow up. Every one of us must deny ourselves. Don't think you are anybody. You say, well, look, I am a professor, PhD in psychology, and I'm now a Christian, so you should listen to me. No, PhD in psychology has something to do with spiritual things of God. Oh, no, I'm an engineer. I have masters and bachelors in the best of the physicists. I'm with, no, all of those things does not have anything to do with the kingdom of God. Deny yourself that you are nothing. That is what Christ said for every one of us. Don't try to save your life also. He says you lose it. Just carry your cross and follow me. That is a death sentence. I'm just following Christ. Where I don't care where it leads me. I'm following Christ. And that's what he means by what does it profit a man if you lose your soul? And you gain the whole world. Now verse 28. Christ told this one. He said there are some standing here among these people that are listening to him on that day. We shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, when this was stated, people were asking, was he saying that they will be alive for, until the second coming of Christ? No, he was not. People are, see, that's how we imagine, because we are looking at this thing many, many, on 2000, almost 2,000 years later that he said this thing. And we are thinking of his second coming. And we are reading it as if he's talking about his second coming. He said, did you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom? Now, the kingdom of God is going to start within us. But Christ is saying, some people are standing there, they will not see death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Many times the Lord used a proverbial something like that, like a parable. But the, when the next chapter 17 will tell us exactly what really happened when he took the three disciples to the mountain, high mountain, and he transfigured before them. That is his glow in light. That is the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That is where they saw him. But those three people are the ones that he said they will see him before they will not die before they see him. But they, he just took them up there to see him come in his kingdom. Like a vision. But they are not seeing vision, they are seeing him transfigured before them. So that was fulfilled in that chapter 17 that we are going to go to. But when we read it in the way it was reported to us, it looked as if was he talking about his second coming? No, he was talking about this is coming for in the in the bright light. Let's go on to chapter 17. After the end of chapter 16. Now chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bring them up into an high mountain apart. Now you wonder, you don't always take Peter, James, and John. The Bible says at the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. And Peter, James, and John are the favorite that the Lord has chosen to be a witness. Even when the others say, every other step back, you want at least those 
today to be a witness that what he did, even in the in his private room when he was going to raise up the daughter of Jairus, he brought Peter, James, and John. They will be a witness and say, I saw it. This is what he did in our, with our own eyes. Because the Bible says, at the amount of two or three, maximum of three witnesses, everything should be confirmed it's when they accuse anybody. And that was why you always select Peter, James, and John. Because any, a single person can say, well, maybe you just make it up. And two people can say, well, maybe they are friends. Or that's why we say, Peter, James, and James, and John are brothers. You know, so Peter is the top person. So by the three of them witnessing this thing, and they say, we were all there, we went with him to the mountain, we saw this thing, it becomes acceptable according to the law of the Jews. So that's why I always take Peter, James, and John with him. Now verse 2 of chapter 17 of Matthew, what we are reading. And after he went to the mountain, he said, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Now, why Moses and Elias? You see the same thing in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 11, that I will give power unto my two witnesses. And we believe that those are the two witnesses that he called to come and, to come and talk to him on that mountain, Moses and Elias. They presenting the law, Moses, and the prophets, Elias. Elias always used to represent the prophets because he's like the greatest of all prophets because he disappeared without seeing them. And Moses would give them the law. So it's like my two witnesses. They are to witness that Jesus Christ is the Messiah to the Jews. To the Jews, not to the Gentiles. We already accepted him as the Messiah, only the believers. But the Jews up to today that follow their rabbinical leaders, they follow those priests and high priests that crucify Christ, they are still saying Jesus Christ is not their Messiah. And they are still thinking the Messiah is still coming. But Jesus Christ is going to send two prophets, Moses and Elias, to them again. And that's why you see in the book of Revelation chapter 11, they say, I will send, I will, I, will, I will give power to my two witnesses. And the, how do you know that was Moses and Elias that he was talking about? Number one, the prophecy in the book of Revelation chapter, chapter 11 pointed out what these two prophets will do. Verse 3, I will give power to my two witnesses and this last chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. Verse 3 says, And I will give power to my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. And he mentioned, who are these two prophets? These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now, Christ is the God of the earth because he is no more the devil. The devil was called the God, the, the, the God of this world. But Christ is going to be the God of this earth. And so when he came and he was on that mountain, Sanctification, Moses and Elias were the ones that stood before him. Not only that, that's one, one point. You also see that he said there are two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. If you have to go back to the book of one of these minor prophets, Zechariah, when the angel showed to him and said, what did you see? And he said, well, I saw this candlestick and this olive tree. And he said, what does this mean, my Lord? And he said, these are the two. Let me show, let me point to that one in the book of Zechariah, where the angel was pointing to Zechariah, the two candlesticks. And the, the, the candlestick and the, that is drawing oil. And he said, these are the two 
anointed ones. Verse chapter 4 of Zechariah. Chapter 4 of Zechariah. That's the other evidence that says that the two candlesticks are being pointed out by the angel to Zechariah here that they are representing the two anointed ones that are that stand before God. That's why he said in chapter 4, he went on and told him about what are you what you what are these things you see, my Lord. He said that I saw two candlesticks, I saw this, I saw that, two olive trees, verse 3. Two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bow and one other. And then the angel was interpreting in verse 12 of that vision that Zechariah saw, Zechariah chapter 4. And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered on me and said, Knowest thou not what this be? I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones. You see that? So those two olive branches are representing two anointed ones. These are the two anointed ones that stand before, that stand by the Lord of the whole heart. See the same Bible verse, uh, chapter verse fourteen of Second chapter four, was what the Lord Jesus Christ quoted to Apostle John in Revelation chapter eleven. That these are the two anointed ones, the two olive branches, the two olive trees. And two candlesticks that are standing before the God of the earth. The angel said, The Lord of the earth. The Lord of the earth. So that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is really talking about the two people that manifested in this transfiguration before the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses and Elias, because they stood before the Lord of the earth. Verse 4. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 17 right now. Verse 4 is where we are because the, the Bible said, When he transfigured, they appeared unto them, Moses and Elias, talking with him. Verse 4 said, Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. Why did he say that? Perhaps he, he wanted to make them to make the Lord know that ah, we saw this thing, we saw it, we saw them, we saw these people before they left. Because according to the other place where it was reported, look at when they are about to, when Moses and I were about to Lord, go up. That's when the, the apostles started coming towards Jesus and said, Oh, we just so that we saw it, we saw it. He said, Let's make three tabernacles here. But why do they say three tabernacles? They were trying to equate our Lord Jesus Christ with Moses and Elias. And, and then this, what happened? Verse 5. While he yet speak, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son. He knew my own way, please. Hear ye him. Now, that's telling you that forget about Moses and Elias. They are not they are they are not to be compared with my son, the son of God. So that is really why he say, This is my beloved son. He knew my way, please. Hear ye him. That is what he says is final. No, Moses said that. Elias told us that no, what the son of God said is the final. He said, Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. Because the cloud was the loud, the, the, the father in the cloud. That descended and just enveloped and said, Here he him. Now, verse 7. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. So that was the episode, the experience the three apostles saw on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Verse 9. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Why do you think Jesus said that? It's very obvious. If these apostles have gone to about and told the chief priests and the and this high priest and said, We saw this, we saw that, he seen, he was transfigured. This is, this is Messiah. And and those people hear those testimonies, they might believe. It might change their mind. Then they won't be there will be no crucifixion also. If they all believe, all those chief priests believe that from what these three people said they saw, this must be the Messiah. They will, if they all believe like that, they most likely will not allow crucifixion also. And without crucifixion, we shall not be saved. We cannot be saved without being Christ dying for us on the cross. So it was planned by God. I said, tell no man this vision until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. That is, until he has died and resurrected. Then you can tell what you saw. Because now it was too late, the sacrifice is done, and the devil is done, and the, the deal is concluded. Well, will this high priest believe it? Well, they didn't have time to even receive those testimonies because they were persecuting the apostles. So if they heard that they said, they said, they said, they saw, it's not less. That's why many of the chief priests and finally, many of them finally followed. But they were still holding the law of Moses. That was what happened in the actual apostles. But they were believing that, okay, maybe he's their Messiah, but they still wanted to follow the law of Moses. That became another tension in the Acts of the Apostles. Let's go on. Verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? Well, it's a good question because the apostles, they have been told by all these scribes and the Pharisees all along before Christ came, that where before the Messiah can come, Elias has to show up first. Elias has to come. Because they have seen it in the book of Malachi, where God said, I will send unto you my Elias the prophet, before the great and terrible day of the Lord come, and so on and so forth. So they are saying, Elias must come first. But see, now the apostles were on the mountain of transfiguration, they saw the Lord Jesus Christ transfigured, but they saw Elias, he's still in the cloud, and they saw the Moses also, he said, well, Elias is still up there in, in above, and you are here. Why do they say Elias must come first? It's a good question also. And Jesus answered and said unto them, now the Lord Jesus Christ said this, in the twofold, you have to see this answer of Elijah's question. Twofold. He said, Elias truly shall, you see that, shall first come. Which means what? Fisher. That was pointing to a fisher that Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. Now, now he was going to explain it further. But I say unto you, Elias is come already and they knew him not. But I have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. So in fact, what the Lord was telling them, to, telling the apostles that Elias shall first come. And that's talking about is the Lord's second coming. If the Lord comes the second time, Elias will first come. But see, now he's saying, even in his first coming, Elias, another Elias has come. Because when the Lord, when the Lord said, I have sent to you Elias, he may not, he's not really talking about the Elias that was taken up into the sky, which may be the one that will come in the final. We believe that's the one that will come when Christ, before the Christ's second coming. Moses and Elias that was said in this um, Revelation at high level. We believers believe that that Moses and Elias that will come in the book of Revelation chapter 11 
we believe that will be the old Moses and the old Elijah that went up to heaven. That's what we believe. But God is sending anointing level of Elias. And that is what John the Baptist carried. is the anointing level of Elias that can do the same thing that Elias did. What did Elias do? He only stood before the king and pronounced what, what will happen. And even when they tried to kill Elias, he ran away also. But when at another time he came back, he caught fire from heaven upon the soldiers that wanted to arrest him also. But John the Baptist came in that same anointing. We were able to stand before Herod and condemn Herod, and Herod killed him, yeah. That was the level of Elias in anointing. And that was what Christ meant when he said, Elias is already come. That's one Elias. Not the old man that went up, but the Elias anointing came through John the Baptist. And God is going to send the same type of anointing at this end of the world through saints of the Most High God. Because he said, the least in his kingdom will be, John, will be greater than John the Baptist. So we can say, Eli we call it a larger company of saints. But Revelation chapter 11 still pointed out that God can see, not that can see, we believe he is going to send the old Elias back and Moses back. But see, Moses died, he was still resurrected. It's possible that he, has already, he was actually resurrected. Or since nobody witnessed him being dead, they just wrote in the book of uh, the Talmud that he, and then Moses died on the mountain and God buried him. Well, God buried somebody. <laughs> so it's very likely that actually Moses just was taken away, but nobody witnessed it. So that's we say it's very likely. Because he appeared with somebody that's still alive, Elijah also. Or it was bad. Some, people, some people theorize that maybe Moses died and then God rose him up at the same time and then took him away. Whatever it is, he appeared with Elijah the prophet who was still alive, who is still alive on the Mount of Transfiguration, which means definitely Moses most likely also have his, his physical body transfigured like that, I mean transformed like that. So that is our understanding, our believing that very likely Moses and Elijah are going to come back in the book of Revelation chapter 11 are the two prophets that are still carrying their physical body alive. And God is going to send them back to do the final witnessing. That's how I'm going to, as much I'm going to say about that. Now let's go on in chapter 17 of Matthew that we are reading. And now go to verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a soft message of my son. For he is lunatic and so vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. So that was the commotion that the logical men, when they came from that Mount of Transfiguration, they found the people in commotion with the disciples. So they couldn't cure this boy. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and powerful generation. Oh, faithless and powerful generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him it up to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19 is key. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? That's a good question because we also like to know when we pray for the sick and look like nothing happened, or we try to do something, try to raise the dead in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us the authority. Go forth, heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. But if we go and we try to pray for the dead to be raised and it didn't happen, 
We need to ask the Lord in prayer. Why, Lord? Why couldn't we do it? And that was the same thing that the apostles asked, eh? because they have actually gone out and they have cast devils out. When the Lord Jesus sent the 12 apostles to go and preach, they came back and said, the devils were subject to us in your name. So they have casted, out devils, casted devils out before. But this one case, particular one, they couldn't do that. So now they're asking Jesus, why couldn't we cast him out? Verse 20, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Unbelief? What? Yeah, that's what Christ called it. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Verse 21 is a key point that you also pointed out here. How be it? This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now I have preached a lot of sermons on this. That prayer and fasting is to trim our 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 self, our soul to get unbelief out of our out of us. That's really what the prayer and fasting will do. And the Lord Jesus Christ already fasted 40 days. But the apostles, when they are still following the Lord Jesus Christ, they have not fasted. Christ said that when I am gone, they will fast. They were just pointing this one out to them that yeah, fasting will be a lifestyle you also have to take. But now it's not that when you see the devil, then you go and fast. It's like you have a lifestyle of fasting. Or you have fasted 40 days or something like that before you started your ministry. I remember the Lord led me to fast 20 something days. In fact, he commanded he wanted me to fast 40. I more or less chicken out and stop around 28 or something like that when I was still in college. I was still in college then. But I I tried, I first did, did one by myself 21 days, completed that. Then many months later, I tried around 20 something days. Completed that 20, after 21 days. Then the Lord wanted to go for the long, long haul. 40 days. But you see, it was the time, the, the time was wrong for me. I was finishing, I was in the final year of my college and the examination was coming. So I started, I couldn't stop. I just was forced to do it. And, I mean, in the spirit. And I did maybe 20 something days, past 21 days. But the exam is starting next week. Final exam of the bachelor's degree. So in the end, I stopped around 28. So you see, that was preparing me for the ministry the Lord had in, in hand for me. But that's what I'm saying. He said, prayer and fasting will be necessary for, to do some things. And I know what great things God had done since the time I, He made me to do those fasts. Let me give you testimony. This is not in, just to, to substantiate the fact that the Lord said, that this kind went not out by prayer and fasting. After I fasted, like I said, I was a college student, then I would come, there was vacation. And I normally plan the, the vacation to start the fast and then be breaking before the school started again. And I was coming back from, from college, going to my hometown, and I was in the public, I would call it bus station or motor park, waiting for the, I'm going to be in this vehicle, but we are waiting for more, more passengers to come. And one man that was a young man about like about my size, about college, looked like college student, college age person also, just came straight to me to beg for arms. That's what he came for. He came straight to me to beg for arms, a man about my about my age. And then he opened his chest for me to see his dilemma. And it was like something was slicing his chest. And a deep wound in the chest. Almost like when you take a slicing machine and just slicing it all around, all around, and it's deep, almost half of the chest was eaten up. And I said, 
What is that? What happened to you? Is that an accident? He said, no, that's cancer. Said, cancer? I've heard about that. I said, I've never seen something evil like that before. Like you get a slicing machine and just be slicing the, the, the flesh out of the mouth, including the bone. And it was deeper and deeper and deeper. You can almost see the, the back of the, of the chest. I said, that's what they call cancer? And he told me that he has been in the hospital and there's no more hope. Just got him money to survive for food. And I said, can you believe God and I'll pray for you, God will heal you. He said, God, he said, God is the only one he's waiting for now. That's what he told me. God, he said, only God he's waiting for. If the half of his chest is eaten up, he will be dead. Only God is waiting for. So I just pointed, I said, let me pray for you. And I put my hand upon his shoulder, pointed my finger at that deep wound that he opened up. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you satanic spirit, come out of this man. And I saw it because God has opened my so that spirit jumped out of And the man felt it too. The man looked at my eyes. Yes, I said, you are healed. Well, you see, that kind went not tablet by prayer and fast. It was after the 20 something day fast. And I was still just coming out of that fast and I was coming, because I said it was vacation time. And I was going from college to home. When that experience occurred, see, the Lord is saying, this kind went not tablet by prayer and fasting. That is an example why Christ said that when he is gone, they will fast. Because he put anointing upon us and our soul, our spirit and soul can contain that anointing after we have trimmed our spirit, our flesh down by fasting and prayer. And that's just a testimony. And the Lord is the one that did it because he says in his name. In my name is the cast out devils. But for me not to doubt, for me to be steadfast and adamant, and the devil will recognize it and the devil will jump off because it is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go on in verse 22. And while they are both in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed to the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceedingly sorry. You know, you know you remember that the Lord said that also in chapter 16, where Peter rebuked him and said, This will not happen to you. But now he's repeating it to every time he gathered the disciples together, he reminded them, almost like telling them what is coming to happen, what is coming to happen, what is coming to happen. And they Kind of shrug it aside and thinking, well, I don't think this is going to happen. You see? But he said, the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And they, of, course, of course, the disciples knew he was talking about himself. And the third day he shall be raised again. But he said, nobody ever says something like that. So they are more or less hearing it, not understanding it or not, not thinking anything much about it. He shall be killed. But he said he shall be raised again. Oh, they dismiss the killing part. No, sir. That's how many people we just forget about the killing part and talk about the race. Oh, it shall be raised again. Oh, okay, good. Third day. So that's why it's kind of kind of uh, lessen the blow or the the, the the panic that could have come up when he just say he's going to be killed and he, but he say he'll be raised in third day. Oh, they just it kind of lessen the blow of the the, the, the terrible news. No, so. But that is really what the law was trying to make them to see that yeah. So he was announcing it regularly to the disciples. But when it happened, they all scattered, they, 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 they never remembered that he said he would be raised again today. Verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Does not your master pay tribute? Now, what is tribute? That's tax. The, the taxation was going on every year. And the Lord Jesus Christ was preaching about, maybe before he started his preaching, maybe he was paying through being a carpenter. Now he was doing the preaching about signs and wonders are happening. So these uh, this, uh, tax collectors came by and saw and talked to Peter and said, well, 
You guys have you paid your tax? What about your master? Has he paid his own tax? <laughs> but certified. That's what they call it. They call it tribute. And taxation in those days is just terrible. I don't know. Up to now, we, if you are employed, you know, you tax, you take your tax before, before they give you the rest of your salary. But market women, people that have their own businesses, the tax station, the tax collectors call, go and knock on their door and demand the money and so on. So it's happening all over the third world countries and places where people are not doing employment. Employment is almost like you already got tax before they even give you the rest of your salary. So these tax collectors are always pulling up people aside and demanding the, the tax. Past 25. So Peter told the tax collector, said, yes, he paid. When he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? You know what I'm trying to say? They are asking for tax. The kings of the world, you don't normally tax their children. Only strangers they tax. And Peter said, Of strangers, only strangers they tax. They don't, they, I don't think they themselves pay tax. No, sir. Does the king, King Herod, pay tax? I don't think so. What about King Caesar's children? Do they pay tax? I don't think so. What about Caesar? Does Peter, Caesar, Caesar in Rome, do they pay tax? I don't think so. Or Caesar's children, do they pay tax? I don't think so. That's why he said, do they charge their own children to pay tax? No, it's only the strangers who pay tax to him. So Peter said, it's only strangers. Then are the children free? So Christ said, well, the children are free also. So Christ is trying to use, tell them that, look, if you are to talk about children, I am the children of the, of the kingdom. If you are to talk about the strangers, actually I am a stranger also, no, sir, because he came from heaven. But he's trying to say that's what he wants to say. If the children are free, I can claim to be free because I'm, I'm, I'm children. So then he said, then are the children free, no, sir? Notwithstanding, unless we should offend them, because if you try to demand, they will take it to court, go and prove that you are a shield and so on. So let's not offend them. Go down to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. Now, this is a parable. But many of us in our generation that read this thing, we have attributed that the Lord created money in the mouth of a fish. Or the Lord can hear the cry of a fish that has swallowed up some coin, and that fish is crying, and God sent the Peter to go and cast and hook and get the fish out of the mouth of the, of the fish. So that was how I also was thinking when I was listening to preachers preach it like that. Until the Lord when I started preaching as a preacher of the gospel, and the Lord came one morning and told me that, and told me similar parable, but he puts a different, say, a different caption. He said, go to the sea and cast an hook. He was telling me in that vision. Go to the sea and cast an hook. And the first fish that come, open his mouth, you will find question. And I woke up. I thought he was going to say, I will find a coin also. I would have said, whoa. Coin, money? No, he said, I will find question. Then I begin to wonder, what? That's a, that's more like telling me a parable. In short, the sea is the world where we are, where we are fishing. You no, know? we are fishers of men. Cast and look, and that's what we are doing when we go one on one. That's hook. If you go to the sea and you cast a net, you know, that's uh, those are the major ministers. 
that have a old net that cast bring a lot of people in, like a crusade. No, cast and hooks like one-on-one -on -one preaching that we do. He said the first person you get from the sea, the sea is the, is the people, the world. You get a hook, the first person come to you. That is the person, not the fish. The fish is the representing the person. He said you open his mouth. He said as you open his mouth, I will find what he said. I will find question. Aha. It was then I meditated and the Holy Ghost that he is talking about. If you want to have questions to answer, it is when you preach to somebody and they come and they be and they come, you can they have questions because I'm making magazines also. So I want topics for my magazines. Okay, you can get questions from them. And you have, have answer in your magazine to, to answer in those magazines. So that the Lord showed that I said, well, that's parable then this what Jesus Christ said in verse 27 here, he's not talking about Peter, go and get a fish in the lake. Because the sea is way on the other side, of course. He said, and Peter go and get a fish in the lake and cast a hook and get a coin. He's not talking about that. He's talking about go to the sea. Go and we tell, tell, tell somebody that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. By the time Peter opened his mouth, he said, yeah, you know something, I believe you. How do I, how can I participate? Yeah, here's some money to, to give to the Messiah. That is what the Lord was referring to here. He said, there will be money, a piece of money from the person that comes to to testify that you believe what you are, you guys are disciples of the, of the Messiah. Yes, I mean, I mean, I want to contribute. And that is the money God was talking about. Not a fish in the lake and go and open his mouth and cry and get a piece of silver coin that the fish swallow. That all of us have been thinking that was what he meant. That God created a, a coin, a fish. Or of course, God can do that if you want to. Or a fish swallow the coin and God is just trying to save the fish from the from the coin that is going to kill the coin or going to kill the fish. God can do that if he wants to, but that's really not what he was talking about. He was talking about go, Peter, and get the first convert that comes out to your, to your way. And when you ask him, he's going to give you some donation. And that's money said, it will be enough for both of us. And I believe that the Lord, the Lord gave me that insight. I said, Lord, no wonder when the Lord gave me the other one in my own preaching, I go to the sea, cast your hook. Get the first person that comes, the first fish that comes. Open his mouth, you'll find question. He didn't say you find a coin, he said find question. That's a question. Oh, now I understood. I will find him asking questions about the gospel, about what we preach. So that then I will have answer for him also. And then I will make magazine from his question, my answer. This question, my answer. I make more topics in my magazine that I was making monthly. So that was... What the Lord was revealed to, I will continue this in the next broadcast. We are going to chapter 18, the next chapter. God bless you.